BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the motherfucking show. I recently saw my next guest in Raleigh, North Carolina at the Lincoln Theater. The show was incredible and defined what a live performance should be. He first dropped in 1999 and he continues to elevate his art and shows no sign of slowing down. He's Tech Nine and I want to welcome him to the Library of Tyrannico. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, so, you know, I like to always start from the way beginning and, you know, what were the artists, what, what was the artist listening to when he or she was growing up? So I have to ask you, what were you listening to when you were growing up and how did that kind of define you as an artist? What made me want to rap is um, Ice Cube. I was, I was, uh, Taken by Ice Cube, um, Public Enemy, you know, that era, you know what I mean? Um, but I started from the beginning, you know what I'm saying? From Rap Dirty mm-hmm. with uh, Blowfly, you know what I'm saying? As a, as a child, and from there to Show Your Hill Gang, you know what I mean? But those are the songs I danced to, you know what I'm saying? The, the rappers, the main even rap, which is Ice Cube, anything NWA and Public Enemy. Were there, yeah. uh, were there artists besides, I mean, you know, you're. I listen to your music, and there's obviously a lot of influences in there. Uh, you know, like not, I feel like not just hip hop influence, but other influences. Were there other, I guess, musical genres and artists out there that kind of spoke to you? I mean, you necessarily didn't want to go that route with them, but definitely spoke to you as a kid. Oh, yeah. I was just talking about who made me want to rap, but music that inspired me, um, that um, I can't deny that it inspires me the doors mm. hence the name strange music right you know what I mean? and hence me doing um strange days um remake with the remaining members you know it was something about the fusion of sounds um from raymond zick john dinsmore <clears throat> um uh, robbie krieger it was something about the fusion of sounds um, that sounded like a dark carnival, mm. and I am into clowns, as a lot of people know. They come to the Killer Clown. Um, something about their sounds that reminded me of a dark carnival and the Rebel, with Jim Morrison. Like the rules don't apply to him. I always liked that persona about him. And the just the doors just really inspired me to go gung ho and do my own thing. You know what I mean? Right. To name one. Right. Um you know, there's uh it, I always think it's interesting, there's uh always, you know, uh 
you know, comedians have like that, like kind of that comedian, comedian that you know people might not know about, but definitely inspires mm. them. Uh, for you, was there like kind of a an MCMC that I, I know you named Ice Cube and Public Enemy, but you know people we have you know mm. we obviously know who they are, but was there like an MCMC that people might have not even made it, but definitely was kind of a big impact in your art um, informing you as an MC? Um, yeah, it was a group that I worked with in, was it 93 when I was in L.A.? It was a group that I worked with out of Houston, Texas called Red Rum. And uh, a guy named Marcus and a guy named Pop, Pop did the beats. They were sinister. I love the sinister mm. of Red Rum. They never made it, but they had something else going on. You know what I'm saying? It was it was otherworldly. You know what I mean? And it inspired me back then. Mm. If I I never thought about that. I never thought about that. And I had to think about it. I never got asked that question. There was somebody that nobody knew that inspired me. I'm like, yeah, there was a group called Red Rum from Houston, Texas. That's so. That's real cool. Um, you've done a lot of music, obviously. You you know, twenty one plus years of doing this. Uh, when you go into a studio session, uh, do you how do you how do you prepare for that? Do you listen to other people's music? Do you try to black out? You know, what's going on around you? Uh, I block out everything that's going on around me, and I'm in my own zone. Um, I have a thing called a dictaphone where I write and then I record the pitch of how I'm going to say it and the rhythm of how I'm going to say it. And when I get to the studio, I listen to it to make sure that um, I can say it properly before I get on the mic. You know what I mean? Because it's different when you're whispering at night, right? And, and you get on the mic and you have to project. And sometimes when you project, you can slur if you project too hard. You know what I mean? So when you get in the booth, you have to find the pitch that's perfect for that flow. And it usually takes me like one take, you know what I mean, to see what pitch I'm going to do. We'll do like a test run. Me and my engineer, Ben, we call him Ben Engineer, we'll do a test run. I'm like, i got to see what pitch I'm going to use on this. Am I going to be loud? Am I going to be medium? Am I going to be low-voiced? You know what I mean? Um, and then he'll play the beat, and I'll find it. Mm. You know what I mean? With the next first little practice run, you know, I'm like, okay, this is how I'm going to say it. You know what I mean? But the dictaphone helps me a lot when I'm writing because it, it makes it so I don't lose the pitch of when I say a certain word mm-hmm. or it lets me know how I said it on the beat and I'm playing the beat from my pill recording rapping into my dictaphone on the beat so the beat and me are married on the dictaphone so I'll know exactly how I'm supposed to say it when I get in the studio like if I'm writing on Saturday and my studio session is Monday by the time I get there Monday, it'll be in my dictaphone how I'm supposed to say it. You know what I mean? And that's how I do it. Do, do, what, you know, when, when, when do these, I, I'm sure it's different for every time, but when do the lyrics, or when do you find it best, like when do you find your most creative? I mean, I remember speaking, I think years ago, a couple of years ago to Crooked Eye, and he says like he does his most creative work when he's driving actually to the studio, because I think it's like an hour and a half away from him. Uh, <laughs> when do you find yourself being like, you know, I, I come up with questions when I'm at the gym, you know, type thing. But when do you when do you find yourself being the most creative? My brain never stops creating. I wish I could sleep 
<laughs> a lot longer. But mine never stops creating. You know, so people have certain times when they're most creative. Like Chris Calico is just like um, Crooked Eye. He likes to drive and write. I don't. I like high feelings. I like to think out loud. So I need to be by myself. Mm. You know I mean, I can do it anywhere, but I go when I'm not in my comfort zone in my own studio. Um, I look for high feelings, brightness, no music. You know what I mean? Um, so I can get. So I, usually, I go in a hotel lobby if I'm on tour. And if the feelings are high, I can think out loud, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I look around, and I'm not confined, you know what I'm saying? But I can do it anywhere, you know? It's is always it, creating my brain. Is that, you know, you look, you know, doing, obviously, research for the interview, um, you know, the the Calm Before the Storm debuted in uh, 1999, and then, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you go through the discography, and it's pretty much an album a year except uh, for there's a period between 2006 and 2006 where uh, you you did uh, two albums but you know um absolute power in 2006 and ever ready in 2000 I mean absolute power in 2002 and ever ready in 2006 2006 um was that I mean was that your plan to you know have that that much music out you know a year at a time or as you say you're always creating so it's in you know it's bound to happen that you were going to have an, you know that much music out every year at a time i had no idea that i was going to have the most top tens on billboard you know over e40 or over gucci Bane. i had no idea i was just writing my life and i never stopped creating and now they say I have 21 albums, so my albums are old enough to drink now. You know what I'm <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea that I was going to do this much music. I had no idea that I would still be having ideas right. or still be um, inspired. But I know the title of my next album already. You know what I mean? It's crazy. And so... so- um, I want to get to stuff because I you know, obviously mentioned that I saw you live in uh, North Carolina, and I want to talk about this the live show and how that works for you. But uh, when you look back at um, two things, the calm before uh, the the calm before the storm will celebrate its twentieth you know anniversary in uh, November ninth of this year. Kind of looking back at mm-hmm. the creation of that album, was there a favorite part of you? While, favorite part of it when you were making it, and was there like an, an one of those unexpected moments that? Uh, for the, for the good of it, it actually happened during the recording pro- process. Um, that was actually we did the Calm Before the Storm in 1996, but it came out late in those years that you're saying. Oh, okay. You know oh, I mean? wow. So we started recording in '96, and we went to LA and got beats from QD3, and we was all over the place. You know what I mean? Using beats that we got out there in L.A. and using songs that we did in Don Juan's mom's basement. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's bleak because it was so long ago. And um, um, all I remember about recording and doing the artwork to The Calm Before the Storm is that my best friend Brian was still alive and he did the artwork. And um, we traveled everywhere to get beats. I just don't really recall too much. Mm-hmm. It's so long ago, 96. And um, I was on a label called Midwest Side Records back then. And I met Travis in 98. 
they start doing business in 99 and put out an album in 2001, you know what I mean? And the time before the storm, I guess, the Midwest side, the, the people who started Midwest side put it out, you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, I don't recall much about doing it, but then, you know, right. it's so long ago, 96, man, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I can't tell you what I was doing in 1996. So <laughs> I, I I definitely get that. Yeah, I, started, I started doing drugs um, shortly after that in '98. You know what I'm saying? Right. So a lot of the things like that were pre ecstasy shrooms and acid and GHB. It's like it disappeared. I mean, right? Yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> um, uh, I want to kind of jump to, uh, you know, I guess your latest album would have been Nina, right? Um, yes. The the title track, uh, the title track you spit, uh, What I Hear Out Here Is Not Stunning, Sounds Like Y'all Disregarded What Biggie and Pac Brung In. Uh, mm-hmm. For you, what what are you kind of hearing out there in terms of what the state of hip-hop music is, but also what are the kind of the lessons that have been lost or not being used by today artists that Biggie and Tupac kind of brought to the game? Well, when you think of Biggie and Tupac, you think about prolific artists, you know what I mean? That speech was not slurred, you know what I'm saying? The speech and, you know, Biggie, the the, the, the talent to make a hit record with style and finesse, you know, and Pac with the talent to reach people's souls and you know, um, kind of like spiritual being, you know what I mean? That's what they taught the game, but the game don't seem like they picked it up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The strength of these artists, you know, a lot of a lot of things today are uh, slurred and you have to go look on Google to see if they have the correct, the correct um, words. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? When they, you can hear Biggie and Pac clearly, you know what I mean, and they they um they inspired nations, you know what I'm saying. And today we don't have many of those. That's all. Mm. What I hear out here is not stunning. Sound like I disregarded with Biggie and Pac running. But me, I've been ripping shows, shows having a thought summit. You know what I'm saying? It's mm. like I I picked up all that, but. I did my own thing, you know, in a different way. And it's power music, like Public Enemy taught me, like NWA taught me power music, you know what I mean? Speaking of Public Enemy, you said in an interview you um, you you learned about the live show, kind of what you said, the old school taught me how to do, put on a live show. Um, what kind of, when, and I, you know, I recently saw you in a live show, what elements of their live shows have you kind of brought to your own and, and made your own actually during your live show? Have you ever seen a Public Enemy show and you see the S1Ws in unison doing the same moves? Yes. And I mean, I caught on to that. You know, I'm sizzling. Even those military moves, they were on beat and they were precise and all together. You know, and um, you know, it just taught me. To, you know, it was something. It was a spectacle to see. Mm. You know, I've always been a dancer, so. I put that within my show. If you came to the show, you probably saw me and Chris doing some of the same dances, the same movements. You know what I mean? They were in unison. You know what I mean? Um, I think in North Carolina, the venue was uh, too small to see 
the um the screens we weren't able to bring our screens in so you didn't see the full show mm. that we change clothes you know what i'm saying we have a wardrobe change i come out in the face painted mask and everything and the hospital scrubs and we have a movie that goes with our show but i learned to be an entertainer from the old school like nwa if you saw them they had the the yellow tape and the police and everything, you know what I mean? I got to see Easy e on stage and the DOC on stage with Ice Cube and MC Rand, DJ Yella, you know what I'm saying? Dr. Dre was great over there, you know what I'm saying? It was amazing. And I saw LL Cool J drive out in a, a Ferrari on stage, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, like real performers, man, that, that something you won't forget, you know? And the lyrics were powerful. That's what I that's what I took from it. I haven't drove driven a Ferrari on stage yet, but <laughs> yet, yet. <laughs> you know what I'm but I saw it. You know what I mean? But the the steps and the routine of Public Enemy and the S1Ws affected us. You know what I mean? All right. How do you you have you know you obviously have so much music. How do you how do you plan your live show in terms of just the music? I mean, I, I was talking to people who have seen you before and you know different cities, and they're like, "Oh, I hope he does this song. I hope he does this song and this song." And it seems mm-hmm. like you really get uh, just from talking to people that you you go to a Tech Nine show, you're not going to see the same show every time. Um, mm-hmm. How do you go about? Uh, planning? I mean, does it depend on the region that you're going to? Does it depend on you know obviously the size of the theater? Oh. Mm-mm. Nope. Um, it's a very uh, strenuous task. You know what I'm saying? Because I have so many albums and so many fans that are fans of the stuff from 96 and 99, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have to start all the way back there and look at the track list of all these records all the way up to now to see what I might miss, you know what I mean? Because the new music can cloud the old music, you know? You have to have songs like Einstein in there. You have to have songs like This Ring and Riot Maker from 06, you know what I mean? As well as the Nina and LP songs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's hard, but what we do, we put our track list together in the studio, in the computer, with our live band to come add, you know, send live instrumentations to make the music even bigger, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and we have that show. And we'll, we'll program it to go for almost an hour, you know, nonstop. And then the manuals will switch throughout the tour, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the manuals, we'll do what we talk in the middle. And then Fragile might come on, or um, um, Everybody But Me might come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, Caribou Lou might come on in the manuals, you know, we can switch around and play with the manuals if we want to and not do the song that night if we don't want to. But for the most part, I pay attention to the fans and what they want to hear on social media before I go do my track list and my set list, that is. And, um... We put it together, man, and we go out, and luckily, I'm in tune so much that I end up doing a lot of people's favorite songs. Mm. Yeah. Does it ever, I mean, does it ever kind of 
spontaneously uh, change up? And you know, is there ever a moment where just by feeling only on the manuals, only on the manuals, not for the whole hour that we program every night? What we program up uh, until um, Speedum, you know, Worldwide Choppers too. After that, we'll have a break. You know what I'm sizzling, and that's when we went back and got undressed, and the movie comes back on. This that other, you didn't see that point though, but without what you saw was us in the Chiefs jerseys the whole yeah. tour. I mean, the whole show. You know what I mean? Because the venue wasn't big enough to house what I had for this tour. You know what I mean? But uh, after after um, speed, um, we get a little rest and we get to talk, and then Chris will do anxiety and then i'll come back out and do this ring and i'll talk and this that not really, you know what i mean so mm-hmm. the whole first part of the show was programmed the same but we can play with the manuals at the end you know what i'm saying that's yeah. the thing that switch that's the thing that might be a lot different every night you know what i'm saying hey I want to turn turn to your collaborations. You've obviously collaborated with a, a you've collaborated with a lot of people as well. Um, you've also collaborated. You know, two of them I want to talk about is that you collaborate with E Forty and Snoop. Uh, their styles, I feel, are totally different. You know, totally different than yours. How does that? How do you know when a collaboration is going to work? I mean, uh, do you only know once you get in the studio with them, or like prior to reaching out? Uh, how do you know like this is the this is the collaboration that's gonna it's gonna gonna when I hear a beat. From my producer seven, and the beat sounds like something that E40 would sound good on, or, or Snoop. I'm gonna say this is the one I'm gonna send an E40 and Snoop, and then I'll call them and tell them it's coming, and they'll say send it, and they'll do it for free and send it back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Free is good. <laughs> um, same thing. Same thing with Eminem. You know, what I mean? when I heard the beat for Speed, I'm like, oh my god, this is the one for M. Trav talked to uh, to uh, Paul Rosenberg, and Rosenberg got it to Eminem, and he loved it. He did it for free and sent it back. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with Corey Taylor. When I heard the song, when I heard the beat for Wither from my producer Seven, um, um, Stone Sour was coming into town, and I had the beat. And I got backstage. They got me backstage to talk to Corey, and I played it to him, and he loved it. And I gave him a copy of it. He did it. Sent it back for free. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that, and it's funny, but it lets you know the amount of respect from all the artists. I've never paid, paid for Man. Um, elaboration. Knock on wood, you know. <laughs> you know throughout my life, you know what I mean? It's, it makes me feel so good that these people, that I'm revered, mm. you know, that they wave the fee and these are top tier artists as well has there been thinking about it about all the people you've collaborated with uh has there ever been or do you remember that first time that you kind of were in a, in a friendly way kind of were forced to i guess maybe step up your your lyrical game uh when you when you when you got on a track with someone else no i um like Eminem said, my spot is forever reserved, you know what I mean? Mm. So I do me at all costs. I do me. And um, nobody ever sends me their verse. I have to send my verse to them so they can test to see what I'm going to do, and then they try to outdo me. 
mm-hmm. like when I, you know, I, I, I had a song called Sriracha and I sent it to Jonah Lucas and he was my brother. He's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. Bruh, bruh, bruh. And everybody like, why you let Jonah get you like that? I'm like, I did me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I heard, I heard, a, I heard a rumor about Buster Rhymes. He told people, whoever he does musically, he said, "Don't let anybody hear my verse. I don't want nobody to hear my verse because they're gonna try to outdo me." You know, say, "I don't worry about that, right?" Because I do me, and I do me like nobody else. You know, so nobody ever makes me want to step my rap game up because my rap game has been stepped up since I got on the mic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you i mean are you are you essentially your own own i guess own own sounding board so to say like you kind of it, it as long as it runs through the i guess the tech nine test it's good you know and clears it it's good or well you- yeah you know I, I won't get on the mic if it's whack i'll know when i put it in my dictaphone and i'm like oh that sounds weird so mm-hmm. i'll release it and I'll write something else, you know what I mean? I don't get on the mic and, you know, I'm sure when I get in there, almost, almost like 99% sure, you know what I mean? Because you never know if it's going to work because you're always trying something different, you know what I'm saying? So whenever I get in there, I'm like, I'll tell my uh, my engineer, Ben, I was like, Ben, man, if this comes through on the mic like it did in my dictaphone, he's like, it always comes to check. You always say that. <laughs> like, I know, but I just gotta, you never know though. You know, it's like, nah, I don't like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I usually know before I get in, get on the mic, 99% that it's going to work. I have a couple more questions. I, I want to turn back to, uh, the, the track Nina, where you, you spit, uh, we soldiers living in the, this country and well aware of your hate, this country from the jump ain't nothing but terror mistake. So I think that would be a good thing if it said make America great. Um, yeah. When, when does the kind of the, the inspiration for spitting quote unquote political lyrics come to you? And also what do you think it is? What is hip hop's responsibility when it comes to kind of, you know, spitting being political or speaking out against the injustice injustices uh well you know it's on tv every day you know what i mean and you see the division you know and the, the divisiveness you know and people were really asking donald trump like when was it great before mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying maybe for him and his life you know what I'm saying but poverty has always been a thing for a lot more people for a lot of other people that can't afford um health care this that and the other you know what I mean so make America great again was the thing because the messenger even though he wasn't the first president to say it you yeah. know what I mean but that messenger was also recorded saying in the good old days Mm. We would have got him up out of here. We would have used more force. The police would have used more force to get that black guy out of here during one of his rallies. You know what I'm saying? In the good old days, he kept on um, referencing the good old days. And then David Duke stood up, yeah, and started (laughs) agreeing in the good old days. The good old days, the good old boys was the Klan. So now, Make America Great Again sounds like when black folks were enslaved. Mm-hmm. So now there's a problem when Kanye wears it. Now there's a gang hat when everybody wears it because make it great again means without no niggas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, so, I said, so I think that hat would have been a good thing if it said make America great. It was something we can do together. 
mm-hmm. as human beings and effort together to make it great for everyone. You know what I'm saying? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, and you see it too. Like, I mean, you see it with the, you know, the focus now again on the, the Central Park Five where even though there's DNA, oh my God. DNA evidence. I just spoke that, about Corey Wise and a, and a rap, rap I did. You know what I'm saying? Oh, in a recent rap? In a recent rap? Yeah, in a did? recent rap I did, I did for one of my um, um, artists, Yubi, uh, Ubiquitous of uh, the Seth Crew. There's a song called Madness Remix. And I said, what I can do to a bad human will leave you mortified, mortified uh, killing off demons uh, for the innocence of Corey Wise. You know, I said something like that. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's just like, even with DNA evidence, there's still convinced that these you know five young men are guilty oh my god and it's, it's like, so crazy and it's obviously because so crazy no blood on them no nothing no nothing they're like and everybody knows the real story you know what i'm saying but nobody wants to be wrong for that kind of atrocity right because also at the same time what happens is if they're if they admit they're wrong that their entire system of this racist justice system of falls apart yeah uh, in their eyes yeah so. They scared of, the kids into saying these things so that they would help them. You know what I mean? They were stupid enough to do it. Right. Yeah. No, it's a... Uh, you know what I'm saying? They're kids. It's crazy, too. You know right? what I mean? It's my first rape. What? You didn't rape anybody. You right. know what I'm saying? Just tell the police what they want to know. No. Don't tell them what they want to know. You tell them what you know. Right. But, you know, no guidance back then. You know what I'm saying? Look what they had to go through. Being afraid little kid. All because they were in Central Park that night. Right. You know what I mean? That's crazy. It's, it's, they were saying the Matea, Matea guy was the sixth person, but it was only his blood, and he he was the only one that had the correct story. Right. They know what it is, man. Yeah. No, it's... But nobody wants to say, nobody came and said they're sorry, but, but they gave him money. You know what I'm saying? That's not enough money for what they went through, no. in my opinion. No, it's, it's they, they obviously yeah. deserve more. It's so now it's crazy what happened with them, and now what's, it's divided, man. Yeah. It's divided. You know what I mean? And I've been I've been preaching togetherness since the beginning, and now, man, in my forty eight years living, man, it's like people are stuck in their ways, man, and nobody, not too many want it. Not too many. They they want their comfort zone. Mm. You know what I mean? You got people that won't come to my show because they say it's too many white people. I've heard it for years. You know what I'm saying? You got people who won't go to a certain show because too many black people. Because they don't feel comfortable. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't uh, you know, on my on my album, I think The Storm or Planet, it was Planet. I was saying people need each other. Mm. You know what I'm saying? People don't understand they need each other to help each other up, you know? And it just seems like that nobody, they just want to stay in where they are. You know what I mean? And that's a sad thing. It's divided, and it's always been divided. And, you know, people in certain um, settings, they uh, can coexist, you know what I mean? But, man, it looks bleak. Yeah, no. It's... And that's the, that's the reality of life. You know, it looks bleak for us, man. You know what I'm saying? And you see it on the news. And people fear each other. You know what I'm saying? And fear causes anger, and anger causes death. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or to hurt somebody, you know. Yeah. So you know, do you? It's just me up, 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 up observing people and injustices, you know, 
And I think that hat would have been a good thing if it said Make America Great because it would be a work in progress, you know? Do you... If, you, mean, say, if you say again, you have to tell us when was it for you. Right. It might be different for somebody else. Right. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, right. It's like for them, it's... Uh, I think it's before Obama, and then, <laughs> and then. If after. I had to say "Make America Great Again," I'm like, okay, maybe when I was a kid, and I had no worries. Right. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But no, because I had worries back then too. My mom was sick, and she had epilepsy, and you know, it was crazy, right. crazy. But go ahead. Oh. I was gonna. Ask, I mean, do you do you see? I mean, with the current political climate, uh, do you see yourself? Um, I mean, obviously, I can't foreshadow what lyrics are going to come to you. You know, when you're, you know, when you're being creative. But do you see yourself kind of speaking, having more quote unquote political lyrics in your music, um, especially under a kind of a Trump presidency? When I see injustices, that's what I speak about. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I'm an angel, so you know, I try to keep my political views to myself. You know what I mean? Because people have different views. Right. You know, um, I try to keep my religious views to myself because people have a different outlook. You know what I mean? And people will fight and kill over their beliefs. You know what I mean? So I don't, I try not to show my hand too much. But the thing I said about the hat was pretty neutral. You know what I'm saying? I was just given, I was just given a solution. You right. take that again off and we're working together right you know what i mean so i didn't take a side you know what i mean but um well i didn't let them know what side i just let them know that i didn't agree with again you know and uh i try to keep it kind of like never let them see your hand your plan because they'll be able to read you your rights you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying if they know what hand you're playing and try to trump you <laughs> 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 no pun intended. Right. <laughs> um, so this is my my final question, um, and it, it might be one that you know you just don't have. You know, it'd be hard to answer because you've done so many of them. But is there kind of a lyric that you've written out there that that still kind of blows you away in the sense that like you're like, holy shit, I'm 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 good, you know, type lyric. Uh, and this, <laughs> this is a guy who's asking a question who's never uh, who's. Tr- Try to write a lyric in sixth grade, but and and have failed miserably ever since. So, mm-hmm. um, well, I have I have thousands of fans that have lyrics that I wrote on their bodies forever, and I'm trying to picture which one that sticks out the most. I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying? Because I write my life, you know. You know, um, I remember when I, I remember when I wrote like when I was young. My heart hates my brain because my brain makes me do things that cause my heart pain, you know? Mm. And my fans back then, they loved it, you know what I mean? But, you know, um, they have so many quotes from me, you know? I can't think of one that sticks out with 21 albums, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, and I, I realized as I was yeah. asking you that question, that's going to be a, kind of a loaded question. That I'll has. probably, after this after, you know, we get off this phone and then I'm having my day and I'm out, it'll probably hit me like, oh, man, I said this. I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I say that about a lot of my lyrics. Like, when I'm writing, I laugh. Wow, that's tight. Right. You know what I'm saying? I said, um, 
if we didn't fear each other, we can stand near each other. We could stand near each other. And my fans like that. Mm. And I was like, that's real. That makes me feel like, yeah, that's real. If we didn't fear each other, we could stand near each other. We would kill each other. You know? Right. That's dope. It's like... Yeah. Just like a simple, a simple solution, and it, and it speak, you know, yes. speaks so much. All your greatest, all your wildest dreams are on the other side of fear. That's what Will Smith said, and I love that one. Mm. Oh, that's dope. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Tech Nine. I mean, it's been. I, 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 I'm so honored that I had an opportunity to see you in concert, but then also actually uh, got to speak to you today on the library with Tim Inigo, and I want to thank you so much for for doing the interview. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It was casual. Cool. That's great to hear. I'm looking forward to the the, the new album. Uh, whenever. Totally. It's called it's called um, Interfere. It's crazy. We're just talking about fear, but it's one word and it's spelled like E N T E R F E A R. Oh, Interfere. I'm entering fear, and at the end of the album, I want to exit all those motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? That's dope. There's not many fears I have. <clears throat> fear is what we all have to get over if we didn't fear each other we can stand near each other so my next album one word interfere because uh, I want to enter the fear you know that's dope uh, Tech yeah. Nine thank you so much for being on the library with Tim Monaco I, I really appreciate it alright man alright Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.